0: You're listening to Car Free Midwest.
1: We're a podcast based in Omaha, Nebraska, exploring the stories, barriers, and joys of getting around the Midwest without a car.
0: Our goal is to build a community around more transportation equity and less car dependency.
1: I'm Sarah Johnson.
0: And I'm Joshua LeBure. And, and this, this is, is Car, car Free, Midwest. Free Midwest. We did it! Yeah, Yay. we're close. That was close. Hello. That was and big. welcome to Car Free Midwest, the Outside Edition. <laughs> Indeed. Again, our last episode was outside.
1: It's a theme. We like sitting outside. It's super nice out. It's October. Fall is the best.
0: It's my favorite month. Same. Um,
1: I didn't know that about you. Maybe that's why we're friends.
0: My anniversary was yesterday. Oh, yeah. Happy anniversary. Seven years. Seven years. Uh, My birthday is later this month. 36.
1: Wow. October
0: what? 25th.
1: Scott, my favorite person is October 20th. Nice. See, there's so many reasons why October is just the best.
0: I know. Halloween's a thing people enjoy. hmm I don't mind Halloween.
1: I like Halloween. We opened the bike shop on Halloween. Oh, really? Yep, in 2012. Seems like forever ago.
0: Dang. I've never been, like, a Halloween person in this... Well, I guess uh, when I was a kid, I was, but I, ha- I don't really dress up very much, and I don't, like, go to Halloween parties very much, but I like watching horror films, and I... Now that I have a house in a like a Midwest town, uh, I kind of like passing out candy.
1: It's kind of fun. It is cute. The kids, yeah. are, kids are fun. Exactly.
0: I like whenever kids enjoy their holidays uh, and it reminds me of like when I used to be a kid enjoying my holidays without me actually having to have a kid.
1: <laughs> Perfect, exactly. It's that whole like, you know, takes a village. You yeah. just be part of the village that passes out candy.
0: Totally. Don't you do like a bike ride in the...
1: Yeah, I'm trying to decide if we should do it this year. We've done it for, like, a lot of years, and it's called the Haunted Hummel Ride, and it really is fun uh, until that one year where someone, like, definitely ate shit and cracked their face open on oh, a pothole. No. Yeah, it was scary. I was like, well, it was fun having a bike shop, but now this person's parents are going to sue my pants off. But luckily they didn't, and she did go to the ER, did get stitches. I did give her a new helmet. <laughs> wow, <What's laughs> helmet? Oh, she was she not wearing a helmet? She was definitely wearing a helmet. She cracked it. Thank you, Helmet. Yeah, it was super scary. And not in, like, the fun, spooky, scary sort of way that we <laughs> hoped it would it's be. It's, like,
0: the worst kind of scary. Yeah, it really was. You, like, organize something and somebody gets brutally hurt. Injured.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. No I heard, thanks to that. No, but... I heard her, like, screams in my dreams for, like, a week or two after that. It was so weird. It was just, like, this guttural animal, like, <sighs> like I can't even do it, but it was horrifying. Uh... Because she got the wind knocked out of her and landed on her head. It was just a real bad combo. I, um... I rode up to her. It was on this descent out of Hummel. um, Big, huge pothole that I pointed out to folks on the way up. And on the way down, everyone was like jazzed to get flying down this hill. She hits the pothole, flies... I'd say probably 20 feet, like skid, roll, whatever. The bike ends up somehow with a chain ring like into her cheek. I had to lift the bike off of her. I thought she was like maybe not going to get up, but luckily she did. And then the thing was like, oh my goodness, how the heck do we get her to the ER? Like we don't really want to call 911. She's like, okay, but does need to get checked out. All of my friends are on bikes with me right now. Like who the hell do we call? But finally uh, we figured out someone who did have... A vehicle that would, you know, fit she and I and her bike. I think I left my bike. I don't know. It was it was a whole it was a whole thing. But wow. that is what I think of when I think of Biketober.
0: Fun. Yeah, good times. I Hummel Park descent. There's still just gnarly potholes on that thing. Yeah, it's oh, so yeah. scary. No, it's terrible. I always imagine falling into one because yes. I think you could now. It's probably the same pothole. I feel like you could just fall into it forever. This
1: one is like it was yeah, I feel like pothole isn't even the right word. It was like a sinkhole. It was just like a very scary, deep, terrible.
0: Yeah, there's there's still a few like that that I don't know if they ever got fixed.
1: Yeah. Well then there, maybe we're deciding right now that we're not gonna do the ride. Or maybe we will and we will just be very careful and scope it out first. I'm not sure interesting yeah but i always used to do like when we had the shop we called it biketober because it's my favorite holiday and my favorite season and my favorite month and we just decided it was the best time to ride and um we would do yeah the haunted hummel ride and just some other fun stuff i don't know but speaking of potholes
0: I want to talk a little bit about my experience in Des Moines. Mm, yes. Des Moines is a pretty cool city. Yeah, it's a cool town. I was surprised to find out how few people live there compared to Omaha because it felt like, a, in some ways, a more put-together city, a more realized city. Um, I've been there before, and I've been impressed both times just like with how well designed it is at least in the downtown area and how clean it is yeah but also this last time i noticed there's a lot of new bike infrastructure going in There was a lot of bike lanes i saw a lot of people cycling i saw a lot of group rides happening i passed by a park full of people like out on rides um and in the downtown area i noticed lots of bike racks uh, we were in this, like, kind of hip neighborhood at this, like, Thai restaurant called Lucky Lotus that was recommended to us. That was probably my new favorite restaurant. Nice. Um, and they were building a off-street bike lane, uh, one that uh. is more like, you know, you've seen these before. They're more like a sidewalk um, where they have the walking part on one side, and then they have a, you know, a painted or a different colored um, cement um, for the bike path um, that's being built. And... Uh, on this like fairly busy street, but near all of these different businesses that seem to be popping up around there. Yeah. And it was very impressive.
1: I really also like Des Moines. We've uh, ridden there a handful of times and it's like they have a network of facilities that actually connect throughout the city. And I think that's like the thing that, at least for me when I travel and notice bike infrastructure in places it's not like oh there's one lane it's like oh you can actually get places you know instead of like here's one protected lane and you must ride it a lot to justify its existence but it doesn't go anywhere and it doesn't connect to anything but good luck and you must prove that you are worthy
0: yeah see that's why i'm glad i brought this up with you because you know i only got to see like the one lane the biggest thing for me is like i was telling you before we started recording that before I moved to Omaha, every single time I came here, I never noticed cyclists ever. Yeah, because where are they supposed to ride? Yeah. And uh, the only time I ever noticed bikes really was when it was a- the bike corral was outside of your bike shop. And yeah. I noticed some bikes locked up. Yeah. R.I.P. bike corral. Yeah. And so I was only, I can't say I'm an expert on Des Moines. I was only there for, you know, two days or whatever. Uh, but I just was surprised by how many cyclists I saw just in that two days. Yeah. And, of course, it was nice outside. Of course, it's a fairly flat city from what I could tell. Um, And they have infrastructure. But there's a lot of infrastructure that was noticeable. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was all, like, really clean because I always double-check on debris because that was, you know, one of the problems with a lot of Denver bike infrastructure that existed and a lot of the problems here is, like, how dirty and stuff the streets are
1: of glass and bumpers and car parts but that was like one of the things i
0: always like check out for and everything i saw like was fairly pristine i was kind of shocked by it nice yeah maintained what's that and honestly like even on the freeway i was like i turned to lauren i was like how do you keep a freeway this clean
1: (laughs) effort priorities wow (laughs) because like
0: none of the grass was overdone like you know like it was there was not it wasn't overgrown and (laughs) And like there wasn't a ton of debris everywhere. And I was like, what is happening? It's weird. Partly it's probably because there's almost 300,000 less people there. But that's true.
1: But I think it's also the way that a city is managed and run and governed and all of that. Totally.
0: Definitely different there. I used to hate street sweepers living in Colorado for so long. Only in times where I would borrow a car or when I owned a car. Or not necessarily owned a car, but, you know, when I got together with my wife and she owned a car and I would have to park it. It was the only time I ever hated street sweepers because <laughs> you would get fined if you were parked on a certain side of the road on uh, street sweeping day. On the day. wrong day, yep. But uh, I've grown, and like, now
1: I appreciate it. I know. I wish they would do that more regularly to bike lanes in Omaha. Yeah. I feel like that's, you know, oh, Omaha, breaking my heart. I don't know. Yeah. It's just like even just uh, riding on 40th Street over the last months, um, it, that lane has been closed for no apparent reason for a long time. Um, And it has recently reopened, but it's just full of trash and debris. And Mode Shift has done, like, lane sweeping days, and I feel like we should almost do a fall edition of that because there's some that really could use some love, and clearly it's not being done by the city.
0: I think one of the things that breaks my heart the most is, like, I live by the field club trail, and it's always just trashed, Hmm. I feel like. I'm not on that trail much. Yeah, I just feel like, like, near the streets, there's, like, always, like, a ton of trash, and I know Hmm. that, like... The Scriptown running crew does like a cleanup, and then I know that some of the other organizations do cleanups, but I feel like on some level, like it's cool to volunteer to do cleanups by nonprofits, but that's like something that should be taken care of by the city, by our right. tax dollars. That's why we pay yeah. to live in a society. True.
1: Yeah. And also, just stop littering. Yeah. That is a st- Just, oh, don't, I saw just don't litter. throw a straw wrapper out of their car the other day, and I wanted to lose it on them and i was like okay you could probably just breathe it out but like why why do you think that the ground is your trash can it drives me bonkers
0: you know it's really interesting i listened to this thing about the history of like recycling campaigns and anti-litter campaigns hmm. and do you know where? i mean do you know this story no so i think i will put a link in the show notes of this episode of this podcast i listened listen to i can't remember what it was i, th- I think it was like I don't think it was Science Versus, but I think it was, like, something like um, Invisibilia hmm. or one of those shows that, like, NPR does. Okay. But essentially it went into the history of, like, recycling and anti-litter campaigns. And a lot of that came from the switchover from these giant companies like Coca-Cola and all the stuff switching from, like, recyclable, like, reusable glass bottles that would get returned or, you know um washed and used and whatever you know just like that whole thing that used to be a thing these milk bottle companies etc reuse et cetera. to yeah. recycle when they yeah. all switched to plastic bottles mm-hmm. so a lot of these campaigns and these recycling programs and stuff were pushed by these companies to put the impetus on us. Mm, and the mm. things we're doing wrong, yeah. As people who throw things in the street, exactly. whenever really it was these companies like switching to more convenient ways of selling more Coca-Cola, and saving themselves yeah. money, and <laughs> exactly. putting the impetus on us exactly. Yeah, that's not surprising. And so instead of them having to do more work and spend more money on these better materials or these better for the environment programs, yeah. They instead of them to being responsible, yeah. they put it on us. Yeah, cool. But still, I mean, don't litter. Like, don't be an asshole.
1: Still, right. yes.
0: Um, but say. at the same time, like. You know, this comes back down to, like, the systemic change that we need in so many different ways when it comes to climate change, litter, living in a society, bike infrastructure. Like, uh, what it all comes down to is, like, um, we live in a society and we have to pay into that. And we need to focus on that over, you know, single-use plastic and single-occupancy cars and, you know, streets and infrastructure made just for that. We need to find a way to have more communitarian ways of... Uh, organizing Society Breach.
1: That's all I have to say yeah, This right. a podcast is done
0: <laughs> Drop the mic So Sarah, what's on your mind?
1: I was just thinking about Des Moines And a friend of mine who lives there Daniel from each Bike So I, I think I'm going to bug him And see if he wants to come talk to us Because he has done a lot of um, cool stuff over the years With uh, like e-bikes And mm. actually when I was starting to write on the cusp of like Am I an e-bike hater? Oh wait, no, I rely on one because my body's trash. Um, I had heard about him. And then Scott and I went down there and checked out his shop. And he's a total sweetheart and just like an awesome human. And he he actually, before there was much going on in the way of e-bikes in Omaha, he had customers in Omaha that he would drive here to do bike deliveries um, for electric bikes. So he's um, he's been in the industry for a long time and just overall a good dude. Uh, but yeah, I just... I'll, it's funny, you know, you come back from a place and you're like, I could live there. Des Moines is definitely a place that I've said that about too, because it does. It feels it feels like a bigger city somehow. Because yeah, like the that's thing what that, I was saying. It's yeah. like, it,
0: because I think it comes down to the design of and the city. And density.
1: And the urban core yeah. actually feels like an urban core instead of just like, oh, the old market where like nothing's really happening anymore. Actually, those people that we were just chatting with that walked out of the coffee shop here we're talking about how downtown used to be cool and now it's just kind of a void and there's nothing going on. And I think that's definitely involves like policy change and leadership. And like a lot of things could be done about it, but a lot of things could be done in general in Omaha that are not being taken care of. And so, um, you know, we just talked to two people. Those, those folks are moving out of the country actually. And then Matt, we were talking to, he wants to move. I just talked to another friend of mine, Melinda, who is a car free Midwest Patreon supporter. Thanks Melinda. She's moving. Like everyone's leaving. It sucks. Yeah. Also, I want to. This leave, is exactly
0: what we don't want to happen. Right,
1: right. <laughs>
0: and <sighs> you know, when we have a mayor who's delusional and says, Bring game instead it, of brain yeah. train," calling. I'm like, we we've said that so many times on the show, but yeah. I just feel like I just can't get over the magical thinking there. Truly, but I also think about you know the really interesting thing to me is like I lived in Denver before uh, downtown was anything really. And it was after downtown was something and before it was anything again. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, at one point, downtown Denver was Denver. That's where the trolley cars were. That's where, you know, banks and commerce happened and people lived outside of downtown. And then, of course, like in the 50s, like a lot of other cities, they tore down a lot of the old buildings. They put up more parking spots and blah, blah, blah. Exactly. They did what all the other cities did, tore out the trolley cars, et cetera, et cetera. Um, You know, so when I moved to Denver, there was the 16th Street Mall. Mm-hmm. and financial buildings and offices and that's it you know there were some apartments but nobody really lived down there there was no grocery store there was no infrastructure for a living you know it was kind of just like you don't really go downtown unless you're a tourist and you want to go to the 16th street mall or if you work down there
1: yeah and that's how omaha's downtown yeah, is yeah and that's
0: how omaha is right now yeah um or labu
1: yeah
0: <laughs> i love labu maybe Bet. homers yeah So, I mean, there are things. I mean, there were things in downtown. There were a couple things. There was, like, a cool track bike uh, store that we would go to uh, called the Track Shack. And then there was uh, an old-school, like, kind of 90s coffee house called Paris on the Platte. Hmm. You know? um, But those things, you know, those are, like, the two things you would go downtown to do. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, but... Um, I lived down there at one point, and you to go grocery shopping you had to leave downtown, or you had to go grocery shop at Seven Eleven or Walgreens. Right. So if you wanted to go real grocery shopping, you had to go outside into one of the neighborhoods. Um, but now, you know, watching Denver change over the years, you know, now there's a Whole Foods down there, and there's a King Supers and there's uh, apartments, and there's people That's that live there. It's a livable neighborhood, and, yeah. And one of the Walkable. big changes was the Denver Skate Park too. Mm. The Denver Skate Park, I think, was one of the big impetus uh changes that in like grocery stores where people actually like started moving down there and hmm. started kind of like making downtown cool again. It was a place. Yeah, and one of the things I noticed that's happening in Des Moines when I was there is there's already a high V downtown. There's more apartment buildings and they just built like one of the biggest skate parks in the country. I didn't know. On that. the river. Huh cool and it's a really cool skate park and everybody was like you have to go check out the new skate park it's amazing nice and i have friends from omaha that go down there go skate at that skate park because interesting and it's like one of those things it's like another one of those things where it's like you provide a place for people to commune and do something that is you know maybe at one point was considered um a waste of time but it's a way that kids build community. Yeah. You know. Which is not a waste of time. Which is not a waste of time and it's a a sport and it's something to do and it's something athletic and it's a way to be outside. And social and all of the things. And it's public infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's free. People can just show up. It's a free, yeah, yeah, it's a skate park. Anybody can go. Public asset. And that's how Denver Skate Park is too and it's taken care of by the city. People go there and clean it Mm. and, and, but it's like one of the big attractions to downtown Denver, you know, like, yeah, And I think that's one of the interesting things I saw in Des Moines is like, that's exactly what's happening
1: right now. Interesting.
0: Um, And it was impressive to me and it made me surprised when I looked at it and I noticed that there's only 200 something thousand people in Des Moines and there's about 700,000 people in the metro area. So it is a lot smaller than Omaha, but it was that focus on design and infrastructure and public infrastructure. Yeah. That is what really draws people in. Yep. Yep. and the design of the neighborhoods there's a lot of like little areas with shops and coffee shops and you know Raygun is down there and then the art museum with the sculpture garden yep. is so much more accessible
1: right right a totally different feel it really yeah. is
0: and that's one of the things I noticed Denver did really well too is like mm. when they the art museum and attracting all these things that like bring people to a city that aren't just commerce yeah. but it also has a way of actually building up small businesses and stuff around it yeah
1: totally When we're talking about public spaces and downtowns, because I don't know if you've heard about the, the library debacle, but they're talking about tearing down the main downtown library. Yep. Um, there's some discussion about privatization, even though there are emails that talk about it. The mayor is saying that's just rumors. Um, I know this is car free Midwest, but we do talk about other things as well. And but I, I think that's feel,
0: part of it. I mean, yeah. it's like community, it's like, it's, and it's public infrastructure. That's public what all this multimodal. Exactly. Um, conversation is about and it's about the way that we interact with each other in a city and i think a library absolutely is part of that yeah
1: yep public assets and the way you know and the the reason that people want to stay here and the reason that you know downtowns aren't just voids and tearing down the downtown library
0: is the dumbest thing i've ever heard of like the downtown denver library is like one of the biggest attractions to downtown
1: yep and i mean they just are redoing the mall and i to me it makes sense to have a public park with like at the very end of it a great public library um but you know they're saying that that needs to go away because so well whatever i won't get all into heritage services but there's a developer that wants to
0: let's get into heritage services well (laughs) i mean it's
1: just it's such a multifaceted discussion we um uh with council club last week we had A librarian come and share her thoughts because it's like i'm not a library expert but i'm interested in learning about it and i'm definitely interested in protecting public assets um and there was a foia that someone pulled a you know month ago or whatever and the library board didn't even know about these discussions and so like regardless of what is or isn't happening whether or not it will or will not be privatized the fact that there was no transparency and there was no public input on the stuff that's happening behind closed doors which is like pretty typical omaha but with handshake deals and who knows what else, uh, between the mayor and heritage services. It's just kind of a bummer that, um, something that seems like you should be able to count on it, like a public library is perhaps going to go away. I don't know. I I'm grateful that there's been enough public backlash that I think that maybe it's been stalled or squashed ideally, but there is proof that it was a plan at one point and now they can say, Oh no, that's not a plan. Well, it was, and we have proof of it. So just, um, I guess, find out when your neighborhood library is having a public forum because they are doing a lot of strategic planning and want public input so um, when it comes to city building and public assets this is a crucial one so um, weigh in there's a survey out right now too uh, if you go to the library's website you can find it but just another interesting Omaha thing hmm. I wish there was more to be excited that's really about right like, disheartening to I know, me I know. Like really I'm thinking is. about like
0: privatizing the public library is like the craziest thing I've ever heard but also I feel that way when they privatize anything that's public. <laughs> True. And especially like, um I just watched this film called The Big Scary S word. And they have a whole section about the is it in Iowa? Oh man, I'm forgetting what state it is. But it basically it was it's a public bank.
1: Hmm. No and
0: idea. um I wanna say it's in Iowa, but it um future Josh here painfully listening to myself try to figure out what state this bank is from. It's actually the bank of North Dakota in a place that's not, not considered to be particularly progressive or left-wing or whatever. Um, the way we view it now, um, but this bank was started when, uh, you know, the private banks didn't want to come in and, and help the farmers and grow the economy in their state. And then, so they essentially like, um, for the last hundred years, have had a public bank Um, and they just celebrated like a huge anniversary. And like, it's been a very successful project and a lot of other States are very jealous of it. Hmm. Um, And it's like a model of how we could have a public banking system that would actually be better for people and maybe not crash economies like it did in 2008 Uh. um, with all their like fake financial models and stuff like that. Mm. Um, uh, It's really interesting to think about it because, you know, they weren't, doing that stuff they weren't like getting involved in all these like weird speculation and trying to like because their goal is to actually like be sustainable and support their community help
1: people in their neighborhoods Hmm. and so
0: you wonder like what kind of like weird uh thing would a private library do that would fuck people over Mm because they would have to find some way to be profitable right Mm -hmm. i mean how else do you have a um, private situation although i did see some uh interesting thing where the post office is in some areas right now testing public banking interesting at some post hmm. like post office banking again at huh. least for check cashing and uh like wiring money services. and stuff like that huh. yeah. that's
1: interesting and i guess i think it is important to say that there are some libraries that are privatized that are still available to the public um but it's just a different different model yeah. but
0: i grew up in a suburb uh
1: in high school a suburb of denver and our our there's an e-bike. Uh, our
0: library system was open to the public, but it was also privately funded. Mm-hmm. But it was mm-hmm. still like a it was like a nonprofit, like public service, essentially. But it was like a public private partnership.
1: Yes, the old public private partnership. I think that's kind of what they're talking about. But then it was also like a community information trust that would merge with the library and then become. I don't know. It sounded like a bunch of weird stuff. And again. Regardless of what their plan was, or regardless, we don't of allow any
0: Karl Marx yeah. books yeah. in this. In <laughs> yeah, this exactly. Library. I mean, that's
1: the whole thing. Is like, imagine what type of yeah, what type of. Well, then you go from being like,
0: you know, the government has to support um, the First Amendment; they're beholden to it, so you can't censor uh, public. Um, Assets. I mean, yeah, like speech essentially. Yeah. But if you move it to even being a nonprofit, and it becomes a private company you really could start like censoring yeah. certain things that you don't yeah. want people to have access to mm-hmm. <laughs> and yep. people would have no recourse because it's private property at that
1: point right the other thing i was going to say is regardless of what the plans were or what the plans are the fact is there was no transparency and there's there's generally no accountability <laughs> with decision makers like these in a while
0: well that's the big thing that like gets me is like the more you tell me about these things it's the more the like um most people aren't hearing about it period right and there's no communication and there's no public input Ding. and yep. uh that was true of uh so many things that have happened since i've been here which feels like a whirlwind mm-hmm. but you know the e-bike thing on the bike pads mm-hmm. the uh e-bike thing on the buses the trying to close the trails at sundown you know like all of these things are just things that they just try to like sneak in like oh people need to know about this we can just do this
1: It'll only affect a lot of people, but yeah. we don't need to it'll involve only those aff- people. It only affects the, affect the poor's basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: or the oh. liberals, and we want
1: to we want to own the libs. Yeah, quite Omaha-y. Yeah,
0: and that's the thing that like really gets me about that is like when you told me that today, I was like, how come not everyone's talking about it?
1: Yeah, I know. That's why I wanted to talk about. It. I want more people to hear about. it. I want more people to weigh in on it. I want more people to have yeah public input on a public asset. That's what needs to happen.
0: What's going on in bike land right now?
1: <sighs> well, we're hearing a lot of good and bad feedback about the Harney Street bike lane. Um, you know, we're a few months in there. I think it's going to be closed so they can install the skywalk of the kid jail. That's exciting. Um, <laughs> I know, just in other things that make you want to pull your hair out in Omaha. Um, the downtown child jail, what an asset. Um, But other than that, they're working on fixing potholes. Uh, Bike Walk Nebraska is doing a good job of highlighting some cool stories, you know, from folks who've never really thought about riding their bikes downtown until they've seen this nice protected lane and now they can, to a lot of pictures of people parking their cars in the bike lane. Um, You know, just typical new bike infrastructure stuff. People are learning how to use it, how to not use it. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's the one thing that always gets me is even on our protected bike lanes and other cities i've lived in and stuff like that like that's just a common problem because of the design yes yeah. exactly
1: and that's precisely that's, what i want to talk that's about. why
0: i sent you that picture that one in des moines i saw yeah. because that's like one that nobody's going to accidentally park yeah. on that
1: because it does not look like a place that you would accidentally park yeah physically the separate only with thing the curb. that i
0: see being a problem with those is like when people are like walking on it yeah which is fine, because then you just yell and whatever, yeah, yeah. or you go around them or whatnot. Right. And it was right. like plenty of room for yeah,
1: looked wide going enough. around. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think the thing with Harney Street is with those silly plastic bollards that are just glued down. I mean, cars can just sneak in between them and like do whatever they would like, which includes parking and stopping and yeah. unloading and whatever.
0: And I'll say, I was a delivery driver for a year for a coffee company, and I delivered in downtown areas, and I delivered in suburbs, and I delivered. All around, you know, Denver and stuff like that. And I never blocked a bike lane. You don't have to block a bike lane.
1: It's definitely a choice. (laughs) I
0: honestly rarely even blocked a lane. Like, and I drove a pretty big van. Like, Mm. I would just, like, I just didn't want to deal with it. (laughs) So I would just, like, park a block away if I had to. (laughs) Yeah.
1: There are ways around it. That's the point. And and I'd carry 100
0: pounds of coffee on my, you know, my uh, hand truck and, and, you know, just take the time, can. listen yeah. to podcasts. Yeah. just chill out <laughs> and get paid a little extra for working less hard. Why not? There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Don't say that in capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was, I was like, I get paid at, by the hour. What am yeah. I, what do I care? <laughs> Walk an extra block. It's
1: fine. Yeah. yeah. No, I think a lot of it comes down to respect, you know, just like road users respecting other road users. Yeah. Um, but the design aspect is really something that particularly irks me because, uh, the design that was originally in the CIP before Stothert removed it years ago was physically protected with like a a curb with plantings and like Mm. an actual protected bike lane, not just these flimsy bollards that can be driven between or driven over for that matter. Um, And so now when Stothert's like, this bike lane isn't even worthy of being in the CIP because it's just bollards glued to the ground. I'm like, all right, ding dong. That was not <laughs> the actual plan. You are bastardizing it as you do. And so now you are making up excuses about a thing that is not real.
0: That's uh, yeah, a, yeah, strange <gasps> thing when you're the, it's like, I feel like that's like kind of the right wing thing to do. It's like, they don't like government so much that they, um, they try to make it, they try to underfund everything and then they try to break it. And then they try to tell you why government doesn't work. Yeah. And that's like the genius behind their politics, though. It's because they're it able works. to do that. Yeah. And then whenever the you know maybe other side the the people the centrists the Democrats or you know they try to come over here and like actually govern and like you know make things happen and do things well, um, you know they let the right wing the right wing re- rhetoric scare them. Instead of fighting to actually fund the things properly.
1: Yep. And point out how it should have been, could and have been, would could have been. And how it could work, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think that's the interesting thing because, like, whenever things do work, like, if we talk about, like, Social Security or we talk about... Um, Paving roads. Medicaid. You know, like, people love those. Yeah, people love those programs. Um, when it, it, That's because they actually get funded and they, and they do the work. Yeah. I mean, the post office is a huge example of that. Like, a, a, an organization that... Uh, on its face, could be very successful, but the way that they, um, the right wing has like tried to break it over the years, it makes it seem like it's not profitable and it doesn't work. When actually, it does.
1: Management, yeah. all about the way that things are built and maintained. And, and that's managed. what's
0: scary, like about this library thing, because it's like something that over time could probably actually work. Yeah, work for yeah. them.
1: Mm-hmm. And they're talking about how, oh, well, you know, it's just we want to make the biggest donation ever. It's like, okay, you can make a donation without taking it over. It's called a donation. Yeah. You're trying to. Why don't you just make the donation yeah. and write it off your taxes how and then that? fuck the fuck yeah. off. Right. There's an idea. I like that one a whole lot. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not supposed to cuss on this, but
0: some sneak on anyway. Yeah, so I apologize dear listener. If you're, we don't have any like 12-year-olds who heard are the, uh, the
1: <laughs> <laughs> What I was going to point out earlier, we're sitting in Dundee. In front of blue line and across the street is the max Eye walker and there are one two three four private parking spots what they should do in my opinion is expand that space into like seating although i know a dry cleaner doesn't need seating but they could make it a nicer neighborhood amenity and then bump the traffic and the parking back out to the street which is what the rest of this area has and then it would actually be public parking and like a little private seating area or public I don't know I just feel like there's that's a dead use of space and then the reason that I am bringing it up is because I saw someone pull in there and it is again four parking spaces all perpendicular to the building this man just pulls in parallel to the building and hogs three of the parking spots and just thinking about how we're talking about people parking in bike lanes people are just ridiculous in cars. That's the problem. It's that they feel entitled to do whatever they want because they're basically invincible because they're driving around in these big metal boxes just doing whatever they want. And it's unfortunate and should not be incentivized. And it should not be the default. We should not just have the easiest way to get around be in these terrible metal boxes that pollute and kill people on the regular and we aren't really doing anything meaningful about it.
0: One of the things I wanna talk focus like talk about a little bit more too is just from my experience over the weekend in Des Moines is How many, how much bike parking there was everywhere?
1: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. We have one rack right here. I guess I see one more over there. For this, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. If you don't see bike parking everywhere, you're not going to think, oh, I could ride there. Yeah. That really makes a difference. Well, and
0: also, you know, I just think about like what, you know, comes first, you know, is it building the infrastructure or do you build it because there's a lot of bikes on the ground? You know what I mean?
1: If there are not a lot of bikes on the ground, you're doing it wrong and you should- build so that there are more bikes on the ground yeah
0: that's how i feel i was like once you i noticed a growth through my 20s of especially in 2008 when gas was like you know through the roof like what uh, somewhere some places am i just imagining this was it like up to six dollars a gallon in some places yeah and like i remember being regularly like four or five dollars which i think it's getting there again it's on the rise i do believe um but I was riding a bike already then like that was my life. And I remember just seeing so many more people on bicycles and then you saw the infrastructure coming up. And once that happened, it was just like a regular thing. Yeah. And then, you know, you would go ride to work on bike to work day and there would just be like hundreds of of cyclists. It would be like bike traffic jam, which was annoying. No, I love it. (laughs) But I was all, it was like annoying when I was actually trying to go to work, Mm -hmm. but also like, this is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because every year would be more people. And then after that you would see more people on and then, Mm -hmm. you know, the next year there'd be more people. And then after it, you would see more people on the snowball. Yeah. Yeah, And it was like this huge snowball effect. And it started with, I think, um, necessity because of high gas prices. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm wondering if we're going to go that again, go there again, and is Omaha going to be able to take advantage of it, or are they going to drop the ball like they did on COVID with right.
1: parklets and outdoor more outdoor seating? Outdoor seating? And yeah, just spaces for people once again. Yeah. I believe we will drop the ball. That is my forecast.
0: Yeah, and it's sad to see, but it's, like, something that, like, I think we should all hopefully keep in mind and try mm-hmm. to push our politicians and stuff like that. And honestly, like, we should be thinking right now, like, when's the next mayoral election and, like, how can we actually, like... Three make, and a half years. Like, We're planning on it all. Make <laughs> legit, like, how do we make legit change? And we got... We had a really inspiring spring with the city council, uh, and that was the first step um, because, unfortunately, you know... Not a lot of the folks that were running who were really cool and progressive one, but the stories were there and there were a lot of votes there and we saw a possibility of it. And I think once you see that possibility, if you keep pushing forward and hold on to that, like hope the next time you can actually like push through and make that (sighs) change.
1: Yeah. I also know a lot of people that ran, I mean, obviously I'm one of them, but that will never run again because it was so painful and it of was course. so much work and it was so traumatic. But
0: hopefully somebody else saw them run. And are inspired and to do it themselves. And they are yeah. inspired and and then they do it and then maybe all of, you know, the folks who didn't want to run again, they know the, the path now. Yeah. Yep. They know the work it's going to take to go into it. Right. And then so now you go into it with the new people and, and coach them and they're prepared for it. Hopefully. Yeah. There's just so much work to do. It seems very daunting. There's a lot daunting. of work to do. Yeah. It is very daunting, but it's also doable. I appreciate your optimism, sir. I mean, <laughs> it's the only way that I can get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. No, I feel <laughs> As you. As if I have some sort of uh, delusion. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's fair. But, I mean, it does feel like... It's sad to get jealous of cities that are, like, over half the size i know to me it's like sad to like go to a city like des moines and be super jealous it's sad to go to like oh like lincoln and be madison. super jealous
1: yeah and like i just read about a roundabout for bike paths converging in madison i'm like because what? there's so much bike there's bike so traffic. much bike traffic yeah. they had to like manage it with a roundabout like a bike traffic calming i was like oh my god i want to go to there
0: yeah i mean that's that's crazy i'm, I'm interested to see that um, it's
1: called the velo under round Also,
0: like Lauren and I decided that we're going to go rent an Airbnb in Des Moines for like a week. Yes. And just see what it feels like. And I'm going to bring my bike and I'm going to. Yes. Part of the thing I want to do is like actually be able to explore on the bike because you can only tell so much from being in the downtown area. Yeah. And walking around. Right. Bikes
1: change your perspective so much. But the crazy thing is, is
0: like when we're out driving in places outside of downtown, I saw where they have like bike paths that would cross like a road or something. Yeah. And they were, like, by a park, and I saw tons of people. Yep. You know, like, out riding on those bike paths, like, out outside of the city. And I was, like... And they all seemed, like, fairly pretty and well done and, like... Maintained. Maintained. Safe. Yeah. Interesting. Um, And, like, to me, that was, like, cool to see. Because, again... Yeah, it does exist. I will go back to, like, when I first came and visited Omaha, the first three or four times I was came to visit before I lived here. I remember being like, I don't even see ever see anyone on a bike here. And I was like, I don't even know how I would get around on a bike in this town. It just seemed impossible from driving around and seeing the city. And the only thing that gave me any hope was (laughs) the bike corral. And I've said this before, but the bike corral outside of um, your bike shop. Yeah. And it sucks that like, they made that illegal. You
1: know, what's so funny. I've heard that uh, a lot of times, actually, a lot of folks who, um, have moved to Omaha you know in the somewhat recent past uh, were in Benson and saw the bike corral outside of the Omaha bicycle company and we're like oh maybe Omaha does get it when it comes to bikes like that's that's like reasonable that's pretty cool and now it got ripped out and there's a policy that makes it illegal uh, that's something on my short list. like I really want to tackle that I really want to figure out what the heck is going on with that policy and why on earth it would be a problem because, like, right here would be a great place for a bike corral.
0: Yeah. This would be awesome.
1: Like, little little districts, you know, business districts, there should be one in Blackstone. There should be one definitely, I mean, again, we just talked about how downtown doesn't have a lot going on. But I still think there could be a bike corral there. There should be one in Dundee. There definitely needs to be one back in Benson. Like, it really just is not that big of a deal.
0: Well, and also we should be making more things happen downtown.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> we should make it so that there would be a reason for there to be lots of people congregating downtown.
0: Yeah. But, like, maybe, like, a cool <gasps> giant skateboard.
1: Yeah. I mean, they are gonna have that uh, ribbon around the Millwork Commons. Do you know about that? No. Yeah. So there's gonna be some kind of a skate situation there, and I think there's like a rollerblading ribbon around the new, like, mall, the downtown construction zone. So hopefully that'll be cool. I don't know. That's cool. I mean, I think that anything that like brings people outdoors to do things is like crucial right now. I mean, I think like what we've learned with COVID is. Gathering indoors for everything is not a great idea. Yeah. And in Omaha I don't feel like there's enough outdoor public space taken seriously in the city. And that definitely needs to change. And I hope that we're able to learn from this. Like I just that's the thing that kills me about Omaha. Oh, we're gonna watch a crash. Um people don't learn here. It's like we've had a year and a half to learn how to deal with COVID and we have made no improvements. It sucks.
0: I think my favorite part about our recording outside stuff is just Watching all the almost crashes The near happen. misses,
1: yeah, totally. Oh, I have a little update on the Vision Zero coordinator. So, Mode Shift has been doing these Walk With Us events. Um, and, you know, we we did one in Exarban. We invited Senator John Kavanaugh, who showed up, and Councilman Begley, who showed up, um, because there was a Verizon pole installed in the middle of the dang sidewalk at 55th and Poppleton. So, Mode Shift gathered a lot of folks together from the Elmwood Exarbon Neighborhood Association at the Legends Coffee on um, Leavenworth, and then we walked over to the poll and talked about how terrible it was. And um, we heard from Senator Kavanaugh and Counselor Begley about what they're doing on the policy end of things to try to prevent that from happening again. Um, And we talked about how there needs to be better communication ahead of time and how there needs to be an actual ADA plan in place before they just go and obstruct a sidewalk so that was all pretty cool. Um, and then we had one on North 78th with a concerned citizen who reached out because of a consistent, dangerous speeding issue um, by Marion High School. Uh, where <laughs> So we showed up and we had like signs that said, you know, Vision Zero Now and uh, Speed Kills and Slow Down, Phone Down, Hang Up. Uh, whatever all these different signs um, and a radar gun and we were clocking speeds of like 60 miles an hour and a 35 Um, we had a lot of good conversations with the the neighbors they met some of their other neighbors who actually had their own speed guns because they know how bad the the issue is on that street Um, and so I invited the vision zero coordinator to both of those events he declined both of those events But he did say that he is working on a Vision Zero action plan. And I am excited to see what the heck that looks like. Because, again, we talk about Kansas City sometimes, and their Vision Zero action plan is legit. And they've only had Vision Zero pass for a few years, and they already are working towards 40 miles of protected bike lanes. So, between the Vision Zero action plan and the Bike Ped Master plan that also just got approved by the council, I am uh, stupidly hopeful. (laughs) I just continue to, like, I don't know. I oscillate between cynical and optimistic, I guess. But we'll see. It seems like a couple of those things could be impactful if they're done right.
0: That does it for this episode of Car Free Midwest.
1: We'll be here every other week, though, with interviews, topics, and documentary pieces covering all things transportation.
0: You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Car Free Midwest, or visit us at carfreemidwest.com.
1: So subscribe now to Car Free Midwest wherever you listen to podcasts, and support us on Patreon. Patreon.com backslash carfree Midwest.
0: This podcast is a production of Figure Podcasts.
1: That's FigurePodcasts.com. With support from Mode Shift Omaha, which is at ModeShiftOmaha.org. And until next time, bye. See ya! <laughs> Thanks for listening.
0: This is a production of Figure Podcasts. For more information, visit figurepodcasts.com.